Well, how hard would I have to work to convince you to listen to these episodes with me? You'd have to find some that were about, like, rich people getting robbed rather than somebody getting murdered. As opposed to, like, poor people getting robbed? Or why, why do you want to hear rich people getting robbed? I feel like if a poor person got robbed, that would not get me into, like, a true crime podcast. Like, it'd have to be, like, the diamonds, the family jewels, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, okay, so no no murders in the episodes you want to listen to. You want nice little happy crimes where nobody gets hurt. Yes. Just maybe they're a little bit poor, but they're rich, so who really cares? <laughs> yes, yes. My name's Clifford Stummy. I drive a hail-damaged Ford Fusion, and my favorite ice cream flavor is mint Oreo. I have a crippling case of lifelong FOMO, and I get super obsessed over specific things for a couple of months at a time, and then drop them completely. My wife April thinks I'm manic. Rather than change, I decided to institutionalize my behavior. This podcast is my excuse to investigate with you hobbies and lifestyles that inspire obsession. Today's obsession is true crime podcasts. I didn't really know what they were exactly when I started this, so I did the, like, very bare minimum research and then asked my wife, April, if she knew anything about them. How would you define true crime? Uh, a crime that actually happened? That's pretty good. That's, <laughs> that's not far off from all I can tell. Do you listen to true crime podcasts? No, because I'm, like, a nervous person already. I don't need to be more nervous, you know? Like, I feel like if I know all the ways somebody could kill me, it would not be a benefit in my life. (laughs) What you say actually makes a lot of sense because there was a study that suggested that people who listen to true crime podcasts actually correlate to people who are more paranoid that they could be murdered. Yeah, see? And I'm already in the second group, so I just don't need to be any further into the more paranoid that I could be murdered. According to Wikipedia, true crime is a nonfiction genre in which the author investigates or recounts actual crimes that actually happened. I did some actual research on true crime, and apparently it became a real big thing in the 1980s. According to a 2015 dissertation by Rebecca Frost, there were like more serial killers than normal running around the United States from the 70s to the 90s. This made people curious, and it was apparently more interesting than fake criminals and fictional stories, and in that fertile soil, the genre of true crime boomed in books and documentaries throughout the 80s and 90s. Thankfully, serial killing isn't as much of a thing anymore, but true crime itself has stuck around, and I personally wonder if the biggest true crime boom didn't actually take off in the last 10 years with podcasts. Nowadays, anyone can research a murder and tell the story and put it out on the internet for other people to hear, and if you do it well enough and stand out, you could find yourself with a huge following of crime-obsessed listeners. In fact, in October 2020, according to Statista, true crime was the third most popular podcast genre out there behind only comedy and news. Over 12 million people listen to true crime podcasts each week. Big true crime podcasts include Morbid, Serial, 
Paper Ghost, Last Podcast on the Left, and just a ton of others. Some of these podcasts are interviews with witnesses or friends of the victims. Some are just conversations between the two hosts. And some are one person just reading a very carefully researched story. But they all share one thing in common. They tell true stories about crime. Now, not all true crime listeners are obsessed, but some of them are, and I wanted to figure out why. After all, these were actual stories about actual people doing terrible murders and rapes and thefts and kidnappings and all kinds of stuff. And I guess it's unknown, so it's intriguing, I get that, but an obsession with it seems a little morbid. And aren't there happier things to think about? Like, why not try a comedy podcast or a super cool podcast about strange obsessions? In any case, a lot of people like true crime, and I was going to talk to them and figure out why. But first, I needed to try it out for myself. I went straight to Spotify and searched true crime. Very rigorous method, I know. The first thing that came up was the podcast True Crime Daily. I kept looking and found Morbid, a true crime podcast. And to round it out, I went really far down in the search results and found a third, less popular one that I'm actually not going to name. Now, to do this right, I needed to listen to one episode of each just to get that full taste for true crime. I started with True Crime Daily, but at this point, my little listening experiment did not go as planned. Here are the stories we're looking at. A baggage claim sticker becomes a key piece of evidence that leads to the arrest of a suspect after body parts are found inside a suitcase. But first, I just finished True Crime Daily, and I don't know, it was fine. Like, if you like hearing about the latest crime in the news, it makes a lot of sense why you would enjoy listening to that. At the same time, it was weird because, you know, it it felt like they were really hungry for a good, interesting story with twists. And it was like, oh, but this is actually somebody's real life that you're talking about. And you're like stepping into it and you're interested in it for a moment. But then you're going to leave and go on to the next interesting story. That just wasn't as attractive to me. It was a little bit off-putting. But I was undaunted, and I fired up an episode of Morbid about a killer who used Craigslist to lure victims to the middle of nowhere. So from the outside, it looked like he was a pretty wholesome dude who was helping people who were down on their luck. He became known as Chaplin Rich. So he was spreading the word of God and taking care of others. I don't feel good about this anymore. Well, he shouldn't, because what was really happening... I didn't think so. (laughs) ...was that these women were working for him. Of course. I liked this one better. There was... It was a little bit funnier, a little bit more lighthearted. And honestly, I got to the end of the episode and I kind of felt this desire to listen to another one and and to hear it because, you know, they did a decent job of telling the story. It wasn't super professionally produced, but they seemed to do their, their notes research a lot and they kept the story moving. But there was still this like morbid fascination with with the details. And it was like they wanted a good story It didn't feel like it was about finding justice. It was about, like, savoring the gritty details. I think Morbid is controversial for a lot of listeners, actually. Just to check this out, I looked through their iTunes ratings, and there were actually quite a few one-star reviews saying that they thought the hosts often made light of crime and, and murder. I can still admit that the podcast was at least entertaining at times, but hearing this from other people was affirming to me, too. Of course, it was now time for the last podcast in my trial run, the one that shan't be named, 
and I'm going to actually leave out my reaction to it. To me, for this particular podcast, the delivery and production were painful, and there was a lot of performative hand-wringing that just really struck me wrong. At one point, one of the hosts explained that a murderer had beat his wife. Several seconds later, we hear that he also beat his dog. The second host responded saying that that was how you know someone's a real bad person, they beat dogs. And this was literally like just 15 seconds after we heard that he beat his wife. I think it was supposed to be a joke, but it was it was so lazy and so disrespectful. Uh, a few more jokes like this and a little bit more hand-wringing, and I just turned it off. I didn't want to hear any more. And it was sad because doing so, in combination with my lukewarm response to the other two shows, made my first attempt at true crime feel like a disappointment. So far, true crime was, for me personally, mostly a disappointment. It seemed shallow and prying, and the constant hand-wringing while devouring the gory, crazy details, it didn't sit well with me. I'm not judging others who listen, and I'm really trying not to judge the podcasters either, but at that point in my investigation, I really was doubting whether true crime was for me, especially if this was all that there was. But first impressions are deceiving, so I needed to talk to people who knew true crime from the inside. I'd only gotten a small taste, and I wanted to get, you know, like the whole picture. I started out with a quick interview with Henry. Henry was one of my students in college and is now working to become a youth pastor. He also happens to be a major fan of true crime. I guess it started when I was young. I I would, uh, my parents were divorced, so I'd always go to my mom's house late or on Saturdays and I'd sleep in her room. Like she had her bed and I had my own bed in her room. She just had one house and she'd always watch all these old shows like called forensic files and cold case on court TV. I think it's called true TV now. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I didn't want to go to bed early. So I would just stay up and watch with her. And it was literally just like old crimes that they would like reenact and like interview people that were involved in those crimes. And even though I was like really young, I guess I was exposed to it at like five years old, eight years old. And at first I was scared, but then I would, I would kind of like stay up and I would like, I remember I would like cover my face at like scary parts, but then like, like reveal it. Cause I wanted to figure out what happened. Um, so nice. I always like watching shows like that when I was young. And then when I got kind of like in teenage years, I really liked TV shows like NCIS, you know, law and order SVU, um, those crime shows. Cause I love seeing like bad guy get caught or whatnot. Um, and not that I got tired of those shows, but sometimes like sometimes some of the episodes seem like they kind of repeat themselves or they're not real or whatnot. But then when I found like these true crime podcasts, I was like, dang, this is like this is real. Like and it's kind of it's kind of wild to see like the unsolved like mysteries or even the solved ones. So it's kind of cool to like it kind of started with like fictional stuff. And now it's like, oh, wow, like these are like actual events that like happen in America. Does it make you feel like more nervous about a crime happening to you to have like ex thought about and experienced all of these other crimes? Yeah. So like I, at first the stereotype is like a lot of girls are targeted, like a lot of young girls. But then when I really started listening to podcasts, I was like, dang, there's some kind of honestly crazy people out there. I don't target anybody. And now I'm like, I'm like really, <laughs> especially like when I'm alone at my house, I'll like make sure I'll like double check that my doors are locked. I'll, I'll make sure my windows are locked or whatnot. Cause there is some scary stuff. 
My second interview was with Mercy, who I used to work with. And she's not just a true crime listener. She actually told me about how she's tracked unsolved cases from her hometown. um, A woman was killed by her boyfriend less than like two blocks from my house. It was like in my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, it was was pretty freaky. Um, You can stand on like a corner of the sidewalk and see both my house and the house where the murder took place. It's pretty cool. Um, I mean, obviously tragic, but... And that's the other thing, too. I feel like a lot of people who don't like true crime um, tend to misunderstand and think that, like, people who are into true crime don't care about the victims or they're just, you know, a little morbid. And, I mean, there's probably definitely a degree of morbidity to it. Like, yes, the the gruesome facts are just as fascinating, but there's still, like, a level of respect and sadness for the victim and their family and everything they've lost. Mercy's favorite true crime podcasts do tend to be on the lighthearted side, so it made me feel better to know that even in those podcasts, there is a sense of gravitas and respect. So I followed her statement up by asking why sad stories about murder were worth listening to. I feel like there's a general human inclination towards chaos in some sense. Um, Like the same reason when you drive past a car accident, you can't help but rubberneck and like look and try to figure out what's going on. Um, So I feel like there's definitely that element to it. And I also have heard the theory on the My Favorite Murder podcast um, that women particularly, because it does seem that from what I've heard, like more women tend to be into true crime than men, um, just, you know, statistically speaking. Um, And I think their theory on the My Favorite Murder podcast was that um, women as like, you know, having a higher likelihood of being victims of that sort of thing um, tend to find a sense of comfort in like knowing more about it, it's almost like a way to soothe anxiety over being murdered is like learn as much as you can about murder. So studying the psychology behind what like what makes a person capable of those kinds of acts is really fascinating to me, just because I'm really into like neuroscience and psychology and stuff like that. I think it's a great deep study into humanity on both ends, like the sick and twisted side and also like the victim side. My third interview was with Stephanie, who you'll recognize from episode four of this podcast, the Taylor Swift episode. Stephanie's interview was interesting because she didn't really like comedy true crime. How'd you get into true crime podcasts? I actually had a horrendous commute probably about four years ago, five years ago. So I started researching true crime podcasts, and that was when... um, I discovered Serial. And Serial was being talked about at the time. And I'm sure, you know, for any of your listeners, or if you've done any research, you'll you'll know the impact that Serial has had not only on podcasting in general, but for listeners of true crime. Just jumping in here to say that the podcast Stephanie is talking about, Serial, is a mega popular true crime podcast that basically revolutionized not only true crime, but also the podcast industry itself. We'll talk more about it later. So I listened to Serial. I binged it over, you know, my next couple days commuting, and I've basically been hooked on true crime podcasts ever since. Why do you think true crime is so popular? Like, what's so good about it? That's a good question. I mean, I can really only answer for myself, and it's just it's just a morbid curiosity, I guess, or just sort of fascination with the horrible things that happen that humans are capable of that just seem so far removed from our daily lives that it's just, it's, it's a weird form of escapism in a way. It's transform it's transporting yourself into someone else's tragic situation and giving yourself an opportunity not only to feel empathy or sympathy but also play a little bit of armchair detective mm-hmm. and it it's just it's it's a weird topic i guess to kind of put yourself in that headspace but it, it's just it's fascinating 
it's like escapism in the wrong direction. Exactly. Like, no, this is worse. Why do people do this to themselves? I, it is. And I can't really explain it because that's at the end of the day, it is. It's escapism, but it, it feels wrong to say that. This was a new thought to me, and it shed new light on comedy true crime, so I followed it up with this. I've listened to several episodes of different true crime podcasts where the tone was very lighthearted. Do you, I don't know, what do you think of that? Do you think that that's like clashing to have sort of like this lighthearted kind of jokey like comedy true crime podcast, like this kind of approach to true crime itself? I've listened to a few like that. I personally have a hard time kind of getting into them, mostly because I just come like it's a, it's a little bit of a different, darker humor, I guess. And I can understand why people do. It's such a dark topic that sometimes you need a little bit of comedy to kind of break some of that up. So it doesn't feel so heavy and it doesn't feel so dark. Cause I mean, listening to true crime stories can really weigh on your psyche sometimes. So I can see where comedy is beneficial. I have a hard time with them just because again, I, I really like to immerse myself in the story and going back to the whole armchair detective thing, it, the comedy kind of takes away from the story and the impact of it, if that makes sense for me personally, but I can understand why a lot of people like it. I'm going to say that what Stephanie's talking about here is really awesome. I still love this idea of podcasters in the true crime genre trying to make the world a better place by bringing awareness to cold cases. And at this point, I felt like I was starting to see true crime podcasts split into two general categories. On one hand, you had the serious-minded ones that were you know, highly edited and produced and were really trying to focus on bringing awareness or solving cases. And then on the other hand, you had the comedy storytelling podcast that focused more on the titillating details and were more likely to be a conversation between a few hosts as they kind of went through what happened in the case. Because of this comparison, I was honestly at that point ready to just completely discount the entire second group. But Obi-Wan Kenobi did famously say that only Sith deal in absolutes. I realized that if I was going to fully appreciate all of true crime, I needed to hear more from the other perspective. So for my second to last interview, I called up Gabby, who's an old friend of mine who loves comedy true crime. She was an honor student when we were both in college, and she's very smart. What is so great about true crime? What, uh, what makes it so cool? Yeah, so for me, it is this balance of, like I mentioned, that getting to see like the depths of humanity more or less like you get to see like just some crazy stuff and there there is that sort of almost voyeuristic i want to see this because it's intriguing and it's different and it's not something i hope to ever experience personally but it's still like there's something that you can't take your eyes away from it or your ears away from it i guess if you're listening to podcasts um watching a train wreck exactly like that like I mentioned, there's also kind of that horror element where it's just, it's enough to like kind of send shivers up your spine. You get a little freaked out um, because it is this acknowledgement that like, this is real stuff. Like this is what has really happened. And it kind of allows you to see sort of this element of humanity that most of us don't want other people to see. Um, and you can kind of see that reflected either in yourself or in other people that like, anyone can be pushed to these edges if they're not, you know, in a healthy mindset, if they're not working towards reconciliation. And so, I don't know, I just find that very intriguing and seeing that like darkness, it helps provide this contrast and light. 
Um, do you have any pot, true crime podcast you would recommend? Uh, yeah, I'm really into comedy true crime podcasts, which is a kind of a weird element. Um, but I really like uh, wine and crime. And, and that's why we drink. So that one has ghost stories in it as well. How does comedy <laughs> true crime work? It's kind of an odd niche. Essentially, it's people that love the true crime stories, but also acknowledge that there is this level of, of absurdity in any sort of actual crime. Like there are people that are making really stupid decisions. And we're not talking about like the victims. A lot of the time we're talking about you know, either the perpetrators or the law enforcement, and they're just making these really stupid decisions. And so it's this element of, I think, coping with that, that horror that sends the shiver up your spine by laughing at it. Like if you laugh at it, then it's not going to be as terrifying. It has less power over you. Exactly. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then I just have a really morbid sense of humor. So (laughs) I can't really. (laughs) What Gabby said made sense. Sometimes laughter does help people cope with tragedy and this realization of how dark humans can be. And I would actually really enjoy a podcast about stupid mistakes criminals make. At the same time though, it didn't explain for me why people who needed help coping would go to these stories in the first place. But my best guess is that they like the stories and want to learn about humanity's dark side. Along the way, they realize laughter helps them accept the fact that mistakes anger and evil intentions reside in all of us. At least that is my philosophical and and probably not quite accurate guess. My final interview was with Dana Pohl, an actual true crime podcaster herself. She majored in journalism and has a master's in library science, so she's no stranger to in-depth research. Her podcast is called True Crime PI, which I'll link in my show notes. Her show's entire purpose is to raise awareness for older cases and to uncover evidence that could solve them. In fact, that's the very cause for her true crime obsession. She literally wants to solve cold cases in real life. How did you get into true crime podcasts? When you asked me this question, I started thinking about it. And I really think it literally goes back to whenever I was a child. Um, I love to read. I love to read mysteries. And um, titles like Encyclopedia Brown and Nancy Drew and Sherlock Holmes. Um, and I would imagine I was the detective and that I was solving the crime. And then around the same time, my parents started using the word stranger danger. And um, faces of missing children were popping up on milk cartons. Um, and I do remember sitting at the table reading you know, milk cartons with my bowl of cereal, just thinking to myself, you know, that child's the same age as me or a little bit older, a little bit younger. And I felt like I wanted to help, but I didn't know how. Are you hoping at some point to like solve one for yourself? Absolutely. I mean, that is the whole point of the podcast that I created. I have this, you know, this really deep uh, compassion for families and who are dealing with uh, missing family members. I um, want to solve a case for them because I feel very compelled to um, release the burden that they are being forced to carry by giving mm. them answers. I asked Dana to tell me more about her podcast, True Crime PI. What I did was I created a 
single host bi-weekly investigative podcast that explores missing and unidentified cases from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. These cases are unsolved cases. And the first season features a Jane Doe found in Cobb County, Georgia on May 10th, 1984. I interview retired homicide and cold case detective John Dawes, and he answers all of the questions that I had about this case. This case is interesting because there's missing evidence, which means we cannot test that evidence uh, for DNA. There's still hopefully a possibility of genetic genealogy and using that to identify our doe. And really, that's what's most important to me at this point. I just want to give her back her name. I want her family not to be forced to carry the unbearable burden of not knowing any longer than they already have. I wrapped up my chat with Dana with one final question. If somebody on the outside looking in was to see you, what would you say is probably the clearest example of your obsession with true crime? So I listen in the shower. I listen when I'm cleaning. I listen, listen in the car when I'm cooking. I'm listening all the time. Um, part of my listening is because I, I am listening to what other people are doing and trying to learn from them since I'm new. Um, the other part of it is, is that I just want to kind of absorb as many cases as I possibly can. So I love listening to, you know, um, the investigations, how they, how they're talking to, you know, who they're finding as their sources, how they are reporting what they're finding, all that sort of thing. The other part of it is what actually goes on in my mind. So my husband and I moved from Colorado to Georgia uh, two years ago. We used to, we do a ton of hiking. We'll go somewhere to hike and I will say, he'll say, isn't this beautiful? It's secluded, it's wooded, it's green. It's, um, you know, there's a creek and beautiful leaves. And I'm like, yeah, and I am enjoying it for that. But in the back of my mind, there's a little voice that'll say, I wonder how many bodies are buried here. The episode is not over yet, but before you hear about me trying true crime out for a second and more informed time, I want to say thanks to all my guests who took the time to come on. I've listed the names of everyone I interviewed in my show notes, as well as links to all podcast mentions in this episode. As usual, the interviews you're hearing today are just the highlights, and I talked with these folks about true crime podcasts a whole bunch more. So I've created a shadow episode with in-depth versions of all of these conversations and a more laid-back conversation with me. You can find it very soon on the Obsessed Patreon for just three bucks a month. If you're like, screw that, I'm keeping my hard-earned three dollars, thank you very much, Mr. Podcast Man, but you still want to help the show, right now, send a link to this episode to a friend that you think will like it. I don't pay for advertising, so the only way this show will grow is if you can connect me with your friend who needs something cool to listen to. All right, so after all of this effort, I feel like my perspective on true crime was more complicated than I expected. I'd heard some podcasts I didn't like, and I'd talked to people who both agreed and disagreed with my taste. If I had to sum up those conversations, I'd say I learned three things. One, true crime obsession seems to be inspired by either a morbid fascination with the dark part of humanity or a desire to solve cases. Two, 
True crime comedy podcasts do exist, but the humor, even if I think it's unhealthy at times, can be kind of a coping mechanism for dealing with the dark stuff. Three, based on what I'd heard from my interviews, the kind of true crime that best fits my preferences is going to be podcasts that try to solve cases and bring justice. As a quick side note, I want to say that I still disagree with some of the stuff I heard in the comedy podcast I tried, coping mechanisms or no, but I hesitate to outright judge the creators or listeners because I don't really know where they're coming from or who they are as people. Plus, I only listened to a few episodes. All I can really do is speak for myself. So for my second and final attempt at trying out true crime, I was going to dive into some case-solving, justice-bringing, serious-minded true crime podcasts. While I was interviewing my guests, I had asked each of them for podcast recommendations. Based on what they told me, I built a list of podcasts I would tackle in my second attempt. I needed to listen to the first season of Serial and one episode each of Dana's True Crime P.I., Your Own Backyard, Counterclock, Unraveled, and of course, The Vanished. I know I made a big deal about listening to a lot of Taylor Swift music for the last episode, but this was going to be another 12 plus hours of content to take in. As usual, my work was cut out for me. Alright everyone, it's been several days since I recorded that last bit. I've listened to all the podcasts I said I was going to, heard about a lot of crime people, and I'm kind of waiting for it to spark some latent criminal tendencies in myself, but so far, so good. Uh, Yeah, you probably want to hear if I'm a true crime junkie at this point. Well, let me just say that it went extraordinarily well. Turns out that when you know what you like and experts can tell you where to find what you like, you're going to get what you like. I started the process by listening to the first few episodes of the first season of Serial. But before I got too far into it, I made sure to listen to the others I mentioned, including Dana's podcast, True Crime P.I., just finished listening to True Crime P.I. by Dana Pohl, and that was pretty awesome. Um, She was, like, very intense about how this case needs to be solved, people need to find peace, and the people who gave up on this case are in the wrong. But the whole thing was, like, very professional and very even-keeled at the same time, so it felt very trustworthy, and she just went over details and had very solid analysis and and I, I really like this. I hope that she solves the case, and I'm excited to see where this season goes. And then I listened to The Vanished, Your Own Backyard, Counterclock, and Unraveled. Okay, Unraveled was seriously intense. They're talking about the Long Island serial killer, and the first episode's the super huge story about the police covering up this beating of a guy who found this really incriminating evidence, and it's so well produced and so interesting and it's it's like it's this huge hook like i think i'm probably going to continue listening to this one these podcasts were amazing but it all came back to serial for me there were 12 episodes in the first season and i absolutely devoured them it's just it's so well told it's immaculate it is in suspenseful and intriguing basically there's this guy anon who is accused of having murdered a girl from his high school who's his ex. And the whole series of Serial, they just go over the the evidence back and forth, things that are for it, things that are against it. Sarah Koenig, the host and the main investigative journalist there, just does such a good job. They, They look into every single question. They talk to actual witnesses. They talk to people who are involved with it. They talk to experts. It's one of the most highly excellent produced things 
that I've ever listened to. This is a global tail link prepaid call from Adnan Sayed. An inmate at a Maryland Correctional Facility. From this American it is safe to say that I found my true crime podcast happy place in its squarely in investigative journalism true crime. It's serious-minded, I like investigative journalism, and there is a big, big emphasis on the search for truth and justice. So while I don't know if I'm obsessed per se, I've definitely found some that I like. At this point though, you're probably thinking, okay, great, Cliff found some podcasts he likes, woohoo, but we've still got the big question of the entire episode. Why do true crime podcasts inspire obsession? I'm so glad you asked. Here is the result of my research. I think the easy answer is that darkness can be kind of fascinating. For instance, if you tell a kid not to eat a marshmallow that is sitting in front of them, they may not disobey, but some kids are just gonna sit there and stare at it, or poke it, or smell it. They're obviously fascinated by the wild call of the marshmallow. In the same way, I think some true crime listeners are obsessively curious about why criminals do what they do. I think they're curious about what the victims feel, what the family and friends feel, what the convicted feel, and what the investigators feel. While I was listening to Serial, I empathized the most with Ednan, the young man who went to jail for a murder he maybe didn't commit. And small spoiler alert here in case you want to skip this part or pause or something, whether innocent or not, he's still in jail. As I was listening to him talk, I kept thinking again and again what it must be like to be him. He's living out his whole life in prison for something he says he didn't do. What kind of life is that? How does he cope? What is it like for him to eat breakfast believing he's in jail for no reason whatsoever? I think that kind of empathetic look is what sucked me into true crime the most. And I think empathy or putting yourself in someone else's shoes is the key to why true crime inspires obsession. So my final conclusion is this. True crime gives us a sandbox to play in where we can ask these questions. What if I was attacked? What if I was a detective? What if I was a criminal? And what if I was wrongly convicted of a crime? I think there are problems when we enter the sandbox lightly or irreverently, but I get why people obsess over true crime. They're trying to answer these questions, and that process is mesmerizing. And for what it's worth, even if I'm not fully obsessed yet, I think I'm definitely going to keep listening. Especially to that next season of Serial, because my gosh, that stuff was legit. Thank you for listening to this episode of Obsessed. I'm Clifford Stummy. If you want to hear the more in-depth versions of some of the interviews in the show and hear a more casual discussion with me, you can get all Shadow episodes on the Obsessed Patreon for just three bucks a month. The link's in the show notes. If you like this episode, rate it wherever you listen and gift a link to this episode to someone who would enjoy hearing about unique obsessions. I'll talk to you next time when we explore speed Rubik's cubing. Wait, wait, is that, is that right? Are we really going to investigate that? I'm checking with my producers right now, folks, and uh, yes, we are going to be looking into what may be the world's weirdest and least useful but perhaps most obsessive hobby ever. I need to go talk with my producers.
speed Rubik's cubing? Are you are you serious? Nobody's gonna want to listen to that. You you can't even see it. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. It's an audio only medium. Great. So now I have to learn how to use a Rubik's cube. How much do those things cost? Like like five dollars? <laughs>